Hello. Hello. And welcome to Pop Tarts. <laughs> I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors at Bust Magazine for Women in Brooklyn. Brooklyn! And we're pop culture junkies. We love everything pop culture. We love talking to each other about everything pop culture. And we love talking to you about pop culture. In today's show, we're going to talk about a movie that we both saw uh, after the last time we recorded, which was Get Out! So many thoughts. Get Out! We have all the thoughts. We have all the feels. We have to go through it moment by moment. (laughs) Not literally, but we're going to talk about Get Out. We're going to unpack it as much as we can with no spoilers. Oh, God. How We're going to figure it out. We're we're not going to spoil this film. And then we're going to take a little breaky break. And then we're going to do our recurring segment, what you watching? What you watching? Where we tell each other, we fill each other in on all of the pop culture morsels that we have consumed in the last two weeks. Which was so much. It's shocking how much I absorbed this week. I know. Right? This is a very absorbent couple of weeks. <laughs> Literally, my stomach like flipped. Amazing. Everybody was trying to pick their favorite. My reaction to it went from the personal to the political. Legendary, 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 <laughs> legendary. My voice is a little scratchy today from women's marching. Yeah, yesterday, uh, the day before we taped this episode was International Women's Day. It was a day without a woman. We walked the fuck out. Yep. And we uh, hit the streets. I went to the protest in Central Park. And then I went to the one that was in... Um... Uh, what was Washington, like, Square. Washington Square. And then after that, we some of them got arrested. So we went to the precinct and And you got pizza outside. for the protesters. Yeah, we did. That's how you make people love you. That's how you're an American hero. <laughs> but now I have no voice. So Callie has no voice, but she lost it for a good cause, which is the emancipation of all womankind. Shout outs to the ladies. Uh, and let's let's get on with the get out. Okay. Okay, I, let's just set the scene for those of you who are not familiar with this film. Jordan Peele, formerly known as one half of Key and Peele, the brilliant comedy duo, has written and directed this film. It's a horror movie that he he was inspired by Stepford Wives and Rosemary's Baby. It involves a young African-American man with a Caucasian girlfriend who invites him out to the country to visit her parents for the weekend. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know? I feel like that alone is enough of a premise for (laughs) a horror movie. But then she says things will be all right. And he's like, well, I love this girl. I'm gonna meet her family. And I would say the first half of the movie is almost a documentary style sort of uh, study on the microaggressions that happen when a gentleman of color is taken home to a white girlfriend's family. And then after that halfway mark, exciting things happen, which take it more into the horror zone. I would consider it more of a psychological thriller. Right. Because I like my horror with a lot of gore. It's light on the gore. Right, heavy on the psychological horror. Yeah, and it's the type of movie you want to see in the theater so you can see everybody react. When I went and saw it in the theater, people were wilding out. People were shouting at the screen, and it was super funny. Was that 
the case when you saw it? I was like the only one shouting. I had a bunch of <laughs> You were the one. Yeah, I had a bunch of like basics. I think and people in shock. And I don't think it, people were weren't as riled up as I've heard other people. I should have gone to a different theater. Maybe. I saw it at Union Square on Oscar night and I was like, what if I'm the only person in the theater cuz it's Oscar night and people who go to movies in the movie theater are going to be Oscar people. It yeah. was 100% sold out. Every every seat had a butt in it. I tried to go twice and we it sold out was sold out at both. It was awesome. And it was so packed. The film stars uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams from Girls. Who I cannot stand. <laughs> she was amazing in this movie. Really? You didn't, you didn't think so? I just, with her, I'm so... Uh, Bradley Whitford was her dad and Catherine Keener, who is a treasure, a mm -hmm. national treasure, was the mom. And one other person that I want to shout out to that I... I think I may have seen her in Good Girls Revolt, but I've never really seen her in anything. This woman, Betty Gabriel, played Georgina, the housekeeper. And there's this scene. She has a, a relatively minor role. It's the housekeeper of the white girlfriend's family. Mm -hmm. She has this scene where she's alone in the bedroom with the the gen visiting gentleman of color. She is a woman of color. Mm -hmm. She's one of the only people of color in this world which he is visiting and <laughs> she gave one of the most amazing short but potent performances I've seen in such a long time you know that scene that I'm talking about he was like sometimes when I'm around too many white people I get nervous oh this yes and she we were talking about facial journeys we were talking about uh Winona Ryder in episode yeah. one her face journey was the most epic I've ever seen on film and so watch out for Betty Gabriel. I feel like she should be cast in everything from now on. I don't know if this is her. Somebody said, um, how come nobody's talking about, I can't remember the name of the actress, was in the Cosby show? No, I think it was else. the lead guy who was. Ah. Oh. As a, like a little boy. Oh, okay. So it'll make you feel super old. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, along with everybody that I know was like, oh my God, this movie is amazing. This is the best, you have to see it. And I saw it, I loved it. You saw it, did you love it? I loved it. I wanna but see it again. not everyone again. loves it. There's been all kind of backlash about it being racist, about it being anti-white. <sighs> These people. It makes me sigh like this. <sighs> it's like, must have gone completely over these people's heads that it's a commentary on society it's not anti-white any more than any more than the Stepford Wives is anti-man yeah but here here are my reactions to the film hoping that we made it clear that just all you need to know is that it's a couple the girl is white the gentleman is black they go to her white family he's nervous about it shit goes down like that's all you need to know about it uh you can't see us through your podcast headphones, but we're both white women. White women. <laughs> um, and we both are hooked up with gentlemen from the Latin American diaspora. Yes. Uh, which makes it, I guess it, it depends on how, you know, it makes it interracial depending on who you ask and how you're asking it. Yeah. Callie, your man is a light-skinned Chilean. Yes. My man is a dark-skinned Puerto Rican. We have both 
introduced our gentlemen to our families. Which was delicate because my dad voted for Trump. And we're both from Virginia. <laughs> yes. So this is, we had our own baggage coming into the film. Did you have feelings before? Did you have feelings after? Tell me all your feelings. Uh, well, I just knew that it was going to be a commentary on race and society and that it was going to be a horror movie. That's all I was really going in for because mm -hmm. I had done tried not to read too much about it before. I tried to like limit myself on getting critiques so I could be shocked, you know. Mm -hmm. But looking back, I wish I'd read everything so I could have analyzed even deeper, you know. I was also shouldn't have drank so much whiskey. <laughs> Before. Did that did that change your perception of it? Well, because I wasn't so intent. You know, like when I go to a movie, I'm like, don't expect to have to think so much into it as it's happening. So I was like unpacking a lot when I was leaving, and I was like, that scene was about that. Oh, instead of just like when you watch a horror movie and you just let it happen and you don't really have to like get so subversive with everything. Uh huh. Like. It's usually just a slasher, and you're like, oh, all right, I got it. Uh huh. This had but so this was much more subliminal. complicated. Everything was meant something. I, there were so many little nuances. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, oh, like I, I, I would miss something, and then I was like, why can't I rewind this? I need to go back. Uh -huh. So that was like a little frustrating. I want to watch it again where I can take it back. Mm -hmm. So did you have a lot of expectations going in? Well, I won't say I had expectations. I'd heard that it was really great. I wanted to see it. My boyfriend, Logan, wanted to see it. But I had some, I guess, I don't want to say trepidation, but I knew that I was going to feel something because I've I've been with my partner, Logan, for 12 years. Holy balls. I know. And the very first time he met anyone from my family was when he met my younger brother in New York. And my my brother is four years younger than I am. And he was drunk. And he got up into Logan's face and oh. said, so are you guys going to have mulatto babies? Oh, man. So that was uh, my partner's introduction to my white family. And then even though that happened, I still felt like because when it became clear that we were going to be life partners, I wanted him to meet my family. I yeah. wanted him to come home with me for Passover Five bum, months bum, bum. seems really fast to have someone meet your family. Too. Yeah, in the movie, they've been together for five or six months, which seemed fast. I don't remember, actually, how long Logan and I had been together. Well, me and Camilla had a very fast relationship. But normally... Whirlwind. you, you got to hang out with me for, like, years before I'll let you meet my family. Right, right. So I, after that brief introduction to my brother, Logan was understandably not sure that he wanted to come down to the VA for like multiple days at my parents' home. And I was like, it's going to be fine. They're going to love you. And which is almost exactly what <laughs> yeah. the girlfriend says it's in the totally movie. And when they were having that scene where he was being nervous and the girlfriend's like, it's going to be fine. They're going to love you. I literally, my stomach like flipped inside of me. And I was like, oh, I'm that girl. And I didn't mean to be that girl. But it's, <laughs> There's no winning because, spoiler alert, I took my boyfriend home to my family and guess what? It didn't go well. <laughs> okay, right. so the options are <clears throat> the person says, I'm nervous to go home with you to meet your family. And you say, 
it's going to be fine. And then it's not fine. Mm -hmm. Or you're like, maybe you're right. Maybe it won't be fine. Don't ever come home with me to meet my family ever. Don't spend any holiday with me. Like, (laughs) I will keep you separate from like the entire rest of my family life because your skin is pigmented differently from mine. Like there's no, that's not okay either. I told Camilla, I was like, look, my family are a bunch of wild cards. If things, if shit starts hitting the fan and a fight breaks out, go to the porch and I'll come get you. It's safe to come (laughs) back in. Just go to the porch. And I'll come like, I'll come tell you when things have calmed down. Because they're a bunch of wild cards. I know at one point during what has now become known as the Passover massacre, that <laughs> Logan excused himself to my my teenage bedroom that had was is still completely time capsule preserved from oh my, my teenage gosh. life and was just there alone waiting for like <laughs> waiting for it to be safe to poke his head out again. Yeah, it, that was like the porch for you. Camilla it was like didn't the porch. have to go to the porch the whole time, but we had, so he we... didn't he didn't avail himself of the porch. No, they behaved. They behaved. Once they get to know him better, he may have to end up on the porch because they'll get more comfortable with the cra- to be crazy in front of him. But mm-hmm. I think they were like, don't scare this guy away. <laughs> <laughs> so on one level, we had this past going into this movie. We knew what the movie was about. And while like in actuality, when I took him to meet my family for the first time afterwards, we held each other and cried. <laughs> in this circumstance, when we were together sort of watching it in a cinematic way. We held each other and laughed. We laughed and laughed. (laughs) It was very funny. It was super funny. And that that whole first part that's more naturalistic, I found, and I I don't want to speak for my partner, but it felt very cathartic for both of us to experience that first more naturalistic part together. Definitely made us feel less alone as an interracial couple just trying to navigate stuff in the world yeah my reaction to it went from the personal to the political yes when that also during that more naturalistic phase of the movie it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts nobody is like super overtly racist right but there's just like a million awkward things that he has to endure just sort of quietly Mm mm-hmm And there was also a bunch of things where he was talking to his friend on the phone and saying, like, this is weird and this is weird and this is happening. And I don't know how I feel about this happening, but I love my girlfriend. I'm going to stick it out for her. It's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Mm -hmm. And I feel that as women, this is something that we can really sink our teeth into in terms of a plot device because we've been taught that there are predators everywhere and Mm -hmm. that we're constant targets and don't ever go anywhere where it's only men. Yeah. And don't ever go anywhere where you're alone. Right. Without some kind of a bodyguard. Yeah. (laughs) Be it like a gang of friends or your parents or your boyfriend or you always have to have an escape route. And you're always surveying the scene. It's And at the same time, even though we're socialized this way at the same time when we move into the professional world as grown-ass women we're told not to be so hyper vigilant we're told not to be cranky feminists we need to relax and get along with people and uh you know i kept thinking what if i were in one of those 
corporate environments where I was the only woman in an office full of men and they had one of those like corporate retreats in the woods. Ugh. Like this would be the same scenario that right. this character is in. And all of my, all of the bells and whistles that I've been socialized with would start going off. Like this doesn't feel safe to me. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, I ostensibly in that case, I would say, oh, but I love my job, so I'll go. Just like the main character in this film was like, well, I love my girlfriend, so I'll go, even though I've been socialized that this is a dangerous thing for me to do. Totally. That's a really good... I'm going to overcome it. And then you have this really, because you know it's a horror movie, there's this painful process of watching the character ignore all of his instincts. Yeah. His instincts keep telling him something's wrong. You're in danger. Something's going on here that isn't right. And as women, I feel like we're also constantly questioning our own instincts. Yeah. How many times have we gotten into something that ended up being the wrong place, wrong time, wrong circumstance? And we had those those spidey senses tingling and we ignored them because we're supposed to play along and be good. Yeah. So I really super connected to the narrative in that way, even though I'm not a person of color. That is a really interesting take on it. I hadn't thought about that. Because there were so many warning signs. So many. And how good was the friend? (laughs) The best friend. (laughs) TSA agent. Uh, The best friend character is really a gem. Yeah. Uh, That was, I think, I think he may have been my favorite character in the whole thing. Yeah. There's there's, um, a scene towards the end of the movie where he appears and like the audience just flipped out went crazy went totally totally crazy and i even though this was a relatively small supporting character his he really made the film yeah definitely i told my family that i was going to be talking about this movie today and my mom was like "Hmm, maybe i'll watch it and i'm like maybe you won't (laughs) Uh, would you recommend this movie to your family no Maybe. Well, my mom hates horror movies. Mm-hmm. So that. And I feel like my dad would be one of the people whose takeaway is this is racist against white people. You think that's I what think his he takeaway would, would be? Because, and I think people have that takeaway because they're so defensive and don't want to admit to the tiny bits of racism that they have. And so it makes them like super on the defense. Like, what are you saying? White people aren't like this. I what are you saying about us? And so. And it's not even always racism like sometimes it's just awkwardness yeah it's just cultural awkwardness this is really hard without spoilers because everything was so tightly tied together to the what he was trying to the things he was trying to raise are all in these tiny little details i want to talk about ben carson in the sunken place but (laughs) (laughs) ben carson resides in his own sunken place (laughs) yeah that's for sure when you watch the movie you'll probably understand that but it's hard it's amazing that it's his first film, but mm-hmm. but then you know you know, it seems like a lot of Key and Peele was very these cinematic almost in terms yeah. of how how tight um, those sketches were. Yeah, that he's had a lot of practice, but still as a as a filmmaking debut, it's super audacious. There were so many details that all like, that's why I was saying like I want to watch it again. So because I, I, later reading, I was like. That one thing also represents, you know, like the general idea I got. But then I was like, oh, that one little part was supposed to represent this other level to it. Yeah. 
And when a filmmaker, when a first time filmmaker makes a movie for four point five million dollars and then makes eighty four million dollars and counting, that is almost a guarantee that they get to make more movies. And I can't wait to see what he makes next. He said he wants to make several more psychological thrillers, each focusing on a different like aspect of society. Uh huh. So maybe the next one will be sexism. We'll see. That would be cool. I wonder, whatever it's going to be, it's I'm going to be epic. I'm going to watch it. And he's just going to get more money, even though he did so much with such a little budget. And not to be shallow while we're we're praising his many gifts as a filmmaker, but he's fine. Uh-huh. And I almost feel like, why isn't he also on the screen? Because he's so cute, and I like to see his little punum. I like to see his little face. Maybe because it was his first time directing, he maybe he'll direct himself. more difficult to direct yourself from the Next gate. time. Yeah. It's, I mean, it. the film was great. I just, I, I like him so much. I would like to see his face also. So I think, I think we worked out our feelings on it. Yeah. That it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, but also trust your instincts. Yes. When your spidey sense tingles, listen to it. Even if you're a cranky feminist. And also I feel like in general, if you have, if you're going to somebody's farmhouse or somewhere out in the woods, have your own car. Make sure you have all your bars. Yeah, on your phone or or one of those like uh, one of those packs that lets you take the Internet wherever you are in the wilderness. Yeah. Have some kind of backup plan, Mm -hmm. at least an air horn. So now we're going to segue into our reoccurring segment. What What you you watching? This episode of Pop-Tarts was produced in the Listening Booth. Check out this sneak peek of their shows and then head to listeningboothmedia.com to find out more about each one. This is What's Happening Here. I'm Katie Shepard, your host, and this season... I'm Terrence Mickey, and welcome to Memory Motel. I'm Julia Bainbridge, and welcome to The Lonely Hour, which I'm producing in partnership with The Listening Booth. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. Now a grown woman with a supportive husband, Jillian is fine, but that comes after waiting through years of pain and confusion. I had been wrestling with this because I knew in the pit of my stomach that my fetish is not caused by childhood trauma, mm-hmm. but it felt like my own life contradicted that. Matt, who was a big talker, big personality, loved to be the center of attention, was running away from having to be vulnerable. I don't know. It's like whenever we have this, like, fights or something, whenever I talk about this, it's like I have a shield in my hand, and whenever this happens, just put it up to protect myself. The Listening Booth. There's a story inside. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> what you watching, Callie? Whew, I had so much, so much, so much, so much. Um, I watched The Feud. I am very jacked because I wanted to watch what I, whatever happened to Baby Jane so I could compare how mm-hmm. well like the everything was uh, comparable. But you can't watch that movie anywhere. Nowhere. Really? I tried to watch it on YouTube and it's not on Netflix. Mm-hmm. If people knew that this was coming out, why isn't, wasn't somebody acting on that? Somebody... Get it to me. I need to see whatever happened to Baby Jane because I'm not going to watch any more of The Feud until I can watch this movie. Seriously? You're yeah. going to wait? You're going to wait it out? I think it'll be worth it. Right. But, oof. 
there's so so many the left chair battle there's <laughs> a legitimate thing that happened Man. like they each wanted to sit on the left side and press things so that when the photo came out they would be credited first right because in you all the press do it from left to right oh when joan leans in and uh she's going to sign the contract and she's doesn't sign it and walks out yeah because of the writer because uh Davis was getting $500 more, and she was like, no, no, no way. not signing it. Yeah, I love that. She, when people talk about how women aren't afraid of raises. Not Joan Crawford. She was like, hell no. Yeah. Let's see what, oh, and, and <laughs> when Joan's like putting the lemons all over her, her elbows. Her elbows. I want to try that. Does that work? I can't understand how that would work. What is that, like an does acid cit- peel? Does, I know. Does the citrus just burn your dead elbow skin off? I was watching that going like, I wonder if that works. And Logan walked by and he was like, ew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a random thing. And why just that? How old are your elbows getting? Like, My elbows were born old. <laughs> but I don't really think my elbows are aging faster than anything else on my body. I need a specific lemon heel. I, I want to, I wanna, if I remember to do it, I'm going to try it and I'll report back. <laughs> if Joan Crawford's elbow lemon treatment works or doesn't work. And also, I really feel for Joan because, like, I feel like all she does is just she just wants a friend and she had no friends. A lot of the time she was just like, why won't Betty Davis just come to dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I love the tension that they're building, like of the frenemy tension where it's not just that they're feuding. Yeah. Like there's actually a, a potential for for like some depth between their relationship. And Betty is just cold, man. How she keeps calling Joan by her government name, Lucille, <laughs> all the time. It's cold as ice. Yeah, she's like, no respect. I, I loved it. I'm, I'm going to have to wait, though, which pisses me off. Someone give it to me. What else? What else am I watching? Oh, I went to go see the Parker Day Icons exhibit at Super Chief Gallery. And? Amazing. Everybody was trying to pick their favorite photo, but it was impossible it's parker day is an amazing photographer she does faces mostly or like there's a lot of costuming going on a lot of uh accessories really saturated colors so much detail it was epic it's it's still going on i think for two more weeks if you live in new york it's at super chief gallery in, in ridgewood and you should definitely go see it cool it was awesome and then i went to a vogue dance off <gasps> like a Vogue ball? Yes. Nice. For this movie that's out now called Kiki. And they, they had a promotional Vogue ball for mm-hmm. the movie? Yes. And it's sort of like um, Paris is Burning, which mm-hmm. you've seen, which is amazing, amazing movie about Vogue battling in the 80s? 80s, early 80s. And this is more about like the new generation, the younger kids, um, and less focusing on dance so much as like, the community and like the volunteer work that they do and all all the like more about the people and less about the dance but it the dance off was epic was it devastating did people do suicide drops yes there was a lot of suicide drops one uh guy jumped on the rafters and did a suicide drop (gasps) hanging on a pipe and the host guy oh there was the host that was the original um, announcer from Paris is Burning was there. Wow. But he wasn't doing the announcing. It was a different guy. He called everybody a legend. Legendary, 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 <laughs> legendary. In the morning, Camilla woke up and he just kept singing that. He couldn't get it out of his head. And he also kept yelling, legendary pussy at everybody. And I'm not really sure why. But it was amazing. If you ever see, have a chance to go to a Vogue battle, 
you gotta go. Well, you know what? I have been to one one Vogue battle, but what my favorite thing to do is um, in the summertime, if you go out to Chelsea Piers, mm-hmm. like around 11 o'clock at night, maybe a little later, the like the children of the night come out to Chelsea, to Chelsea Piers and they Vogue battle like right out in the on the pier. They'll bring boombox and they'll hook it up and and they'll battle out over the waves and it's oh the my best. Gosh, I have got to go. I can't yeah. believe I haven't gone to that yet. It's like I've every time I've seen it, I've seen it like maybe two tree times. It's been just by happenstance because I'm I'm out there wandering these streets. Oh, also the movie Kiki, it's two female producers, two female directors of photography, and the sound person was a female. Nice. So shout outs to that. Then I also watched um, Am Tam's new movie, Amber Tamlin, who uh, does a poetry column for us. Yes. Bust columnist Amber Tamlin. It's called Girlfriend's Day. And you said you saw half of it, right? I saw half of it because you told me to watch it. And this movie is weird in a way that I liked. It is such a weird premise. It's about uh, the greeting card industry. And this guy was like the supreme greeting card right? Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. He's so good in it. And um, they've come up with a new holiday to try to put more money into the greeting card business. And then it... Girlfriend's Day. Somehow becomes like a murder mystery... Nouveau film about <laughs> greeting cards. I started watching it because you told me to. And my favorite part of the whole movie so far, uh, besides Amtam, is the fact that in this town, people treat greeting card writers like movie stars. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, aren't you that greeting card writer? <laughs> yeah. Like you're the one that came up with that slogan. And there's like a fan bar where everybody who loves greeting cards goes and <laughs> they hangs hang out. out. It was, it's just like such a crazy concept. It reminded me of like old school Mr. Show with Bob and David. Yeah, because it's so, so bizarre. Yeah. The whole time I was like, oh, I'm going to check this out. And then I was like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> How do you come up with this? And then I watched John Oliver. Mm-hmm. And he interviewed the Dalai Lama. Uh-huh. Oh, how cute is that? that they were good. like giggling. They like were giggling giggle so much. I, I was like, oh, this is probably going to be serious. Dalai Lama was cracking himself up. <laughs> but I, I hadn't really considered until they brought it up in the interview that he might be the last Dalai Lama. Mm. Because China can't be trusted to, yeah. To be- select. Because there's, there's so much Chinese interference in the process. Yeah, that's insane. What have you been watching? Callie, I've been watching so many things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now that I'm not going to tell you only about true crime things. Okay. But this first thing is, <laughs> there's this show also on Hulu, also original, originating on Investigation Discovery called Who the Bleep Did I Marry? That's literally what it's called. I've heard about this. Who the Bleep Did I Marry? I'm like, you can't even put the F with the asterisk. You have to say bleep. That's that's the name of the show. And I've seen three episodes and I'm furious because the whole like the the logo of the show is a woman in a wedding dress being like, <gasps> like shocked at at looking shocked and like holding the arm of her spouse. So I'm like ready for some like spouses who go wild first episode that i watched i'm like hey this sounds really familiar and it turned out to be reenactor actors acting out jody arias that famous case she broke up with this guy 
and then like went to visit him and then killed him in his shower. And it was like this huge crime. You know, like the news networks were like all over Jodi Arias because she was like a pretty young woman who killed Uh an ex in the shower in a very brutal way. So the first of all, they're covering like a super famous crime. And second of all, the person that they're interviewing for like their first person knowledge of the case is someone that she was dating after she had broken up with this person who she later killed. So he didn't marry that person. It's not it's it doesn't go along with the theme of the show. (laughs) And it was also like, you know, a super famous case. Like it wasn't something I wasn't learning something new. And then the second episode was about a guy whose dad turned into a psycho. So I'm like, you didn't marry that person either. Oh, what is this Like, I saw three episodes and like nobody was married to a psycho. (laughs) And I was like, the third one was like an office shooting where someone's coworker comes in and and shoots everybody up. And I'm like, don't call a show who the bleep did I marry? Yeah, call it who the fuck is my coworker? Yeah, or just like, how, why the fuck do I know this person? I don't know. But <laughs> just the fact that like that is the name of the show. That's the logo of the show. I'm sitting down with certain expectations and I've seen it three times and not once has anybody been married to the person who's a killer. That is just I'm here not to, knowing what words I'm mean. here to rail against it. I'm here to say I'm not watching it anymore. <laughs> I'm closing the door on you. Who the bleep did I marry? I'm closing it. Um, I don't know if this counts as pop culture i think it does because it was viral around the internet and there was a lot of uh nice things to follow on february 24th there was a mass spell to bind donald trump that witches all over the world vowed to cast a spell at the waning crescent moon at midnight until trump leaves office and it's hashtag bind trump I did it at a party. You did it. I had like the ladies over from the office. So uh-huh. um, I think there was like five of us and some other random people in my building came It became over. a pop culture event. And we're supposed to do it every Crescent Moon. And the next one's on my birthday. Ooh. March 26th. I'm gonna find Trump on my birthday. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people that don't normally do witchcraft got involved, which was cool to for people to be like, Oh, this isn't really something that I believe in, but fuck Trump. Let's try it. (laughs) From a pop culture context, I would file this under the lively arts. Yeah. And then I had a lot, because I practice witchcraft normally, there was a lot in the witchy communities that I'm in, a lot of flack about, uh, you're not supposed to do harm to people. This is Binding isn't harm. Exactly. Like, people would be like, this isn't how, how, you know, witches work and the rule of is that whatever you do to somebody comes back threefold. But binding is sort of like putting someone on house arrest. You're not harming the person. You're you're keeping, keeping them, them from, from harming others. Like the classic craft, I bind you. Um, what character was that? I bind you, Nancy, from doing harm on yeah. yourself and harm against others. So I, I think, you know, there was a lot of infighting in, in the witchy groups, but generally i think everybody understood it we're not trying to my dad was all up in arms about it and he's like are you one of those witches against trump and i was like yes i am i say that it it would be good to watch the craft before the next one and and brush up on your binding yeah it was it was great we had a lot of fun and i had a really creepy picture of trump that we used it was a blast and then you know we i was just hanging out with a bunch of ladies which is always awesome i mentioned to you before that I'm watching Nashville, a.k.a. White Empire. Right, right. And I was shocked, shocked, I tell you, that they killed off Raina James. 
Raina James is the lead character of Nashville. She's played by Connie Britton, another American treasure. Ah. Her hair is the greatest hair of all time. And she is the she is literally the lead character of Nashville. She is who the show is about. I thought it was about Duff. Hillary Duff? No. Is she Hillary Duff is not in that show. Oh. <laughs> You're thinking of Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. And it's really about like Connie Britton plays the the older, more seasoned country music star, and then Hayden Panettiere plays like. Does she sing in it? I think that's why I always thought it was Hillary Duff because Hillary Duff used to sing. They do right? sing in it, and very well, I may add. I don't understand how you can have this show without her. And at first, I was like, "Oh, they're going to do that soap opera thing where they bring her back from the dead." Like, nope, she is out. She did not renew her contract. She's been there for four and a half seasons, and she's like, I want to do other things with my life besides pretend so to now, be Reba McIntyre. So she's gone, and the show is going on without her, and I don't, I can't even wrap my mind around that decision. It's like on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. There's this, <laughs> and it's not It's not even like that exactly because she's even more of a central character, but on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, there was this character named Jadzia Dax, and she was very important to the show, and she had a contract dispute and they were like we're not giving you what you want and she's like if you don't give me what I want I walk and they were like you can walk so they kicked her off the show they killed her off it was super tragic and then they tried to keep making the show with someone else being her character like 90210 with Shannon Doherty you can't do it without these central characters they you just, can try like, but I it'll was jump the shark that um the people uh, like the rest of the cast just showed up like normal and they were like oh Shannon Doherty's fire she's not in the shoot anymore she's not <laughs> in know. the script so then they just like said that she went to college like I know it's they so didn't dumb, even though. kill her off they just were like you're fired get out of here we're people just not know even that gonna... that is like the surefire way to jump a shark I don't know why you would try to keep making a show without the central character but can they are they do you think they're gonna move this hate the Hayden person <laughs> yeah i mean i i guess so but it's just i will i'm not proud of this but i actually shed real emily rem's tears oh my god when Raina james died i couldn't i wasn't ready for it i hadn't been reading variety i didn't know that it was coming a lot of other people did and i i couldn't believe it and i cried oh my gosh she died so many feels for this show yeah how'd they kill her uh, it was like stupid too the way they killed her right it was so soap opera so she had a stalker and the stalker finally got her alone and it looked like the stalker was gonna kill her but then she got away from the stalker and she jumped in a car and was like take me home and then her car got randomly hit by another car that is so soap opera like (laughs) like they couldn't just have her get killed by a stalker or get in a car accident it was we're gonna do it all it was in a car accident whilst fleeing a stalker (laughs) And so, yeah, I cried. I actually cried. That's insane. I watched Girls because, you know, I think it's my homework. <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen? Is she going to – it's a spoiler. This may be a spoiler. No, it's not a spoiler because it's, it's so long enough preggers ago. So she's at the end. Yeah, so Hannah's preggers, and I am cool with it. I'm ready to see what's going to happen. But at the same time, I feel like – the same way I felt at the end of the Gilmore Girls reboot when Rory was pregnant. Oh, I never saw it. I just feel like that is shorthand for immature girls growing up. Ah, yeah. It's like, okay, guess what? You're pregnant. You're no, not you're a an kid adult. anymore. You're an adult. Hooray. Um, 
So on the one hand, I'm like, oh, well, I'm in my 40s and I don't have a kid. So I guess I get to be 17 forever <laughs> in my mind and in my heart and in my life. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It just seems a little cheap, mm -hmm. a little easy. Do you think she's going to have it or not have it? I think she's probably going to have it. I think she's probably going to have it. And then I think she's going to go live with her parents. I don't even know. But. Yeah, I, I'm not in love with that plot twist, but that I was in love with the previous episode that was like a little capsule episode where she was writing for Lady Blog and mm -hmm. she went to visit a fam famous author whose work that she admired, but who'd been accused of sexual harassment by many young women. Yes. And uh, there's a capsule episode where she goes to, he invites her to his home after she writes an article talking about his inappropriate behavior towards women and it was a re i just thought that episode was amazing now i thought that that was supposed to be um who's the creepy photographer oh terry richards terry richards i thought that was going to be like i think the character seems so much like him i didn't think that but he could have been any number of people yeah any any creep one other thing that i watched in preparation for feud was this show, I had to go to YouTube for this because this show was on in 1998. Mm. It ended up in like 2002. But did you ever watch Mysteries and Scandals with A.J. Benza on E? Yeah, yeah, I think so. A.J. Benza, he used to be the gossip columnist for the Daily News. And he's got this awesome like Bensonhurst accent. And he comes on and he's like, Hollywood, it'll eat you alive and leave you dead in the gutter. And yeah. then he'll like walk off into the fog. And then they'll give you like a really good mini documentary on someone. So they did a really good one on Betty Davis and a really good one on Joan Crawford. Ooh, I'm gonna watch them. That are so if you want to see like the real people that are being portrayed in Feud, you should go. Both of those episodes are on YouTube. Totally you can totally check them out before the next episode of Feud. And then I watched another one, and like maybe I'm the only person who didn't know this, but do you ever watch The Partridge Family? Uh, somewhat, sometimes. So. I didn't know that Shirley Jones, who was the mom on the Partridge family, was actually David Cassidy's real life stepmother. I did not know this. Like she was married to his dad. I bet Debbie knows this. I'm sure Debbie knows this. Debbie Stoller, the the editor in chief of Bust Magazine, went on an ill fated date with David Cassidy. That's another story for another day. <laughs> yeah. I think that's basically the whole story. They went on an ill fated date. Yeah. <laughs> but this episode was about David Cassidy's manic depressive, pill popping, alcoholic, pyromaniac father. Whoa. And his name is Jack Cassidy. And he was like this sort of like moderately successful actor. But he was super jealous of both his son and his wife because ah. they both blew up on the Partridge family and got to be big stars. And he was super jealous of them. And, you know, he, at one point, she Shirley Jones had a bunch of kids with him. And then one day she came home and he was like setting fire to things all over the house. Oh, so she man. had to take the kids and get out of there because he was drunk and setting fires. And he went to a psychic who told him that cigarettes would kill him, but not through disease. And then he fell asleep while smoking uh, uh -huh. and got consumed by flames. That is crazy. Even though psychic? a psychic warned him. Who's the psychic? She must be successful. <laughs> a secret psychic to the stars. They didn't say who it was. Oh. But he de he burned to death when he was 49. He wasn't even that old. Whoa. Yeah. But that was, I was like, thanks, AJ Benza. I had no idea. <laughs> that just sounds awesome. I want to mention to you that Lord, our friend from Down Under, 
I love is back Lord. for the first time in four years. She has his new video for this song called Greenlight. I like it. It sounds like the ending credits music to any episode of Girls <laughs> in a good way. But I also want to point out that in this film, she's wearing a very lovely dress and Adidas. And that is my look. I wear a dress and Adidas totally almost every day because I can't wear heels. And I'm so excited that Lord is out there repping a style that I feel somewhat self-conscious about. But you, you always pull it off. I appreciate you saying that, but I felt validated by Lord wearing the dress and Adidas combo that I rock as well. I'd heard the song and I wasn't too impressed the first time. It sounded a little... Poppy? Uh, yeah, a little too poppy. And I want more of her voice. You know, like her voice is just the, the thing that, that I love so much. Has so much character. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was kind of like too much about the the music and not about her voice enough mm-hmm. but i should give it another listen give it another listen and look out for those adidas i'm gonna watch the video <laughs> the last time that we recorded we were here in the listening booth here in lovely scenic industry city mm-hmm. and members of the listening booth family make some good podcasts yeah and so i was checking them out since the last time that i saw you and i listened to what's happening here which is hosted by Katie Shepard. And the whole season is uh, devoted to students. The The basic premise of the podcast is like people in pivotal moments of their lives. Mm-hmm. And the whole season was recorded at Manhattan International High School. And these students who are writing their college essays and some are chosen to perform them in front of the school. And they're all recent immigrants to America. This is such a great concept. And... It's such, I mean, it would be a really awesome podcast anyway, but the fact that we're going through all of this Donald Trump Muslim ban mm-hmm. bullshit, all of this like immigration nightmare stuff, I feel like it's a really good time to get to know the personal stories of, of actual recent immigrants, yeah. especially young young people who are immigrating here. And I I felt so many feels. The one that I felt the most, there was this woman... I believe her name is Erica, who moved to New York from Taiwan at 14 because she is like very driven about wanting to go to medical school and she wanted to get the very best possible education. So she's 14. She's in America for the first time ever and is basically living alone. That sounds terrifying to me. And I was so drawn in to this narrative. Like she was talking about an experience where she was 14 and she was shopping and there was like a gentleman hitting on her and she didn't know what to do. Yeah. And she like tried to reach out to the only person that she knew who was her aunt and her aunt was not available. And she had to figure the whole situation out herself. And I really identified, you know, I feel like so many of us have been in when you're in that weird liminal space between girlhood and adulthood and Mm -hmm. weird things happen and you just don't know what to do and you just want someone to tell you what to do. Yeah. And having I've, I connected on it with it on a personal level, but then on top of it, she's in a brand new country. She doesn't even speak the language. She's here. and she's in New York, which is like and she's a child. So so fast and so hard to navigate. Yeah, like when I first moved here, I was constantly lost. Yeah, like, constantly. And even though I would go places like regularly, I'd be like, "Oh, this is a better way to get there." Like I've been going way wrong way, you know. And so I can't imagine trying to, like, maneuver all that solo 14. Yeah. The the episodes are short and very potent. So I really recommend um, going, listening to all of the episodes of what's happening here. Um, 
dirt, especially if you're trying to maybe convince some Trumpies in your life to like maybe Ease see an- back <laughs> <laughs> to maybe see another side of the the immigrant situation. Like spread the word that it's totally worth the time because it's really good. I want to say that I watched Master Chef Junior because I did, and I will say it is the only Gordon Ramsay vehicle that I will watch because that dude is a dick. He is such an He's asshole. He's a straight up monster asshole from hell. And the only time that he steps off and like lets the people cook and like lets you like watch the people cooking is when it's Master Chef Junior because he's not allowed to abuse the children. Is that like a rule or does he I mean just it's know just better? like the it's just the the laws of common decency. Yeah, like some if kind you're of producer. A joke I, to a kid. I feel like if he were left to his own devices, he would emotionally and physically abuse the children. But <laughs> just terrible obviously somebody is holding him back because he's less of a monster and more of a human. And these super adorable kids cook all kinds of food. And it's so good on MasterChef Junior to watch the little children. Uh, make- I feel like I've seen like an episode of it once. Maybe. It's the only watchable Gordon Ramsay vehicle. I've seen Hell's Kitchen and it's like, why would Impossible anybody- to watch want him to come help them it is like you have to be to want to just get yelled at i know it's a successful franchise and i think that it's really like the snm community that's keeping him afloat like there's people who want to imagine him as being like their dom daddy and they want gordon ramsay to like in their fantasy life tell them to lick his boots or whatever like people are jacking off to Gordon Ramsay in in submissive dominant completely scenarios but if you want to just watch a goddamn cooking show he's unwatchable <laughs> unless terrifying. you're watching him on MasterChef Junior because he has to behave for the children for the children do it for the children and the last thing that i want to mention to you before we wrap up this incredible journey pop culture journey that we've been on is this very day today today i was on the subway and i was on the manhattan bridge where i go from no cell phone service to cell phone service when i get all these texts from my very very best friend johanna who is the light of my life and i wouldn't even know about bust magazine if she hadn't sent me bust magazine and said this is the magazine for you so because of her we know each other. We so know each other her. because of her. Yes. And she sent me this text that says, you must listen to this podcast right now. <laughs> and it was my very new favorite podcast. I'm announcing it right now. Missing Richard Simmons. Oh, I already love the name. It is so good. Okay. Obviously, it's my favorite podcast besides this one. <laughs> besides the one that we're making right now, this very second. Um, but it's called Missing Richard Simmons. It's hosted by this documentarian named Dan Taberski, who's actually a friend of Richard Simmons. You know, do you know the whole saga? Well, they're going into it. He, you know, was in terms of public people, he was one of the most public, public people that you could. He kept doing shows for forever and ever for 40 years. He's doing every show. If you're on a, a, a sightseeing bus in Hollywood that stops outside his house, he'll come out and take pictures with every single person. He is like literally one of the most accessible celebrities in the history of celebrity and of such all a time. general joy such a joy and just like every single sound clip that they play of him is him completely like bursting into song and being completely manic yeah um but then 
they're interviewing people who are saying as soon as the microphones went off, he was a very sad person. Yeah. So there's like this Richard light and dark aspect to it. But he was super accessible. This guy started taking his aerobics classes that he's been that he was teaching literally for 40 years. He was teaching a weekly aerobics class in California every week for 40 years. And that was like those were his people. That was his community. And then one day in 2014, he didn't show up. And then he didn't show up. Then he didn't show up. And nobody has seen him since that day. I thought they found him. Well, because where was it? I forget where I read it, but his housekeeper. Yes. Was claiming that he was being brainwashed. Or do I have that no, backwards? No, someone, and I don't remember who, was worried that he was somehow being held captive by his housekeeper yes. slash best friend. But so there are a lot of layers to this onion. And I'm just getting started because, like I said, Johanna texted me today. There's so much about Richard Simmons that I don't know. And I love Richard Simmons. He's I used to sweat jewel. to the oldies in my friend Dan's living room after school, in high school, in VA. And his outfit game. Oh, my God, those tiny shorts, decade after decade. Amazing. Where is he? What's happening? And so it's, believe me when I tell you that it's the new cereal. Remember when cereal blew everyone's mind and then, like, just sort of went away, just sort of fizzled out? Like, Mm -hmm. if you're missing that cereal moment in your life and also have, like, the love in your heart for Richard Simmons that I have, you have to listen to it, Making missing Richard Simmons. He, like, goes on, like, stakeouts. He's, like, serious about tracking down the story of what happened to Richard Simmons. I can't wait. I, w- I want to know everything. I want to know. I want to know. So that's, we're going to adjourn this lovely meeting of the it minds. It was lovely. I want to give a special shout out to our producer, Rachel Withers. Shout outs to Rachel. She's keeping it so, so real. And our pals at the listening booth, Terrence Mickey and Katie Shepard, and our girl gang at Bust Magazine. Yes. If you want to reach out to us... Please email me at emilyrems at bus.com. And Callie W at bus.com. Visit our amazing website at bus.com. Yep. And follow us on the Facebook. The Twitter. I'm at Emily Rems. I don't Twitter. You're at Kalisha Jenkins. But I never check it. I know nothing of this Twitter. We're on the socials. Find us. I We'd tried love to, to hear Twitter, from you. but I just, it was just too overwhelming. And I, I gave up like really. You should fast. visit it again. There's good people on the Twitters. But uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, if you could visit us on iTunes and rate us and give nice comments, we would love it so much. Lovely chatting with you, Emily. And lovely chatting with you, Callie. Until next time. Until next time. Mwah. Mwah.